So that's a verse. That verse is Romans 10:13, and it says, "Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." That's a promise in the scriptures, and the scriptures are huge. But I really like the promises a lot. The eight different missionaries that spoke in that little video are all people who visited us here this year, um, here at Central during the course of the summer, and it's a great, great lesson to learn. How can people? Call on the name if they haven't heard. How can they hear unless someone tells them? How can someone tell them unless they are sent? And it says, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. And you, Central Baptist Church, bring the good news throughout the world. I don't know if you know this, but 10%, a tithe of everything that's donated to this church, goes to our missions program and for missions work. And we do support the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. But we also support a lot of other organizations as we go throughout the year. We support a lot of church planning works through the IMB, but also through another organization called the North American Mission Board that's planning churches here in the United States. We help support church plans through Williamson Baptist Association that's now called Strategic Church Initiatives and Solutions. I'm sorry, Strategic Church Solutions. I like WBA. Um, But these are churches here within our local community. These are Baptist churches within Williamson County. And then Central also supports three church plants individually. And those are Soma Church, which is Randy Moore. They meet over here off of McNeil Road. Uh, Catalyst Church, which is a way different than Central, meets down off a of Manor Road in uh, in Austin. And then we support another work, Ben Shank and uh, his church called Awaken Church, and they're hoping to have their first services this fall. So we're we're helping get the word out in our community, in our state, and throughout the world. Um, which is pretty neat. We also invest in a lot of other ministries and ministers. Uh, we invest in a lot of crisis ministries. And I just want to share with you what the missions team and the missions program here at Central Baptist is doing. I'm blessed to have some people that part with, partner with me on our missions team, uh, Mrs. Dee Dee Harris, Mrs. Vicki Alessi, uh, Mr. George Lee, and Elder Sean Hood, uh, people that, that join. And we join together. We prayerfully consider who we can help and how we can help them. And domestically, we invest in a lot of crisis ministries. We um, we help support the soup kitchen, Austin Baptist Chan Chapel. Some people call it Angel Kitchen. And um, those are people that have no food. Those are a lot of homeless people that are being fed. We work with the Texas Baptist Children's Home. And the focus of their ministry just isn't children anymore. They do a lot with uh, single moms and children at risk. We help support the Round Rock Area Serving Center, which is working with poor people and people that are disenfranchised here within our community. We also work with the Sacred Heart Community Clinic. It is actually a Catholic medical work out of St. William's Church. We help support them because they provide medical services to people that have no other place to go. So that's helping heal the sick. The uh, Agape Pregnancy Resource Center. I know a lot of people here uh, volunteer there. And they work with ladies who are afraid and uh, unprepared for the changes that life is bringing them. The Austin Disaster Relief Network. 
uh, works with people that are in crisis, people that are coming out of disasters. Um, and I know there are people here that volunteer and, and actually work down there. We also work with the Williamson County VOAD, Volunteer Organizations Active in Disaster, helping um, rebuild here and abroad. Just a few weeks ago, we had a team still working uh, down in Rockport, helping people get back in their homes after the hurricanes of 11 months ago. It's coming up on a year now. We help support ministries like the Gideons, people who go out and hand out Bibles across the street from schools or down the block from schools, in jails and prisons. And, of course, they also put them in hotel rooms. I'm sure you've seen them. We like investing in a lot of the college ministries because we believe the kids coming out of our youth program, kids coming out of church and going into academia are hitting a very vulnerable time in their walk because they don't have their family support. They're out from under their family covering and the covering of their church that they grew up in. And suddenly they're going into a world of academia where a lot of people disagree with everything they've been taught all their life. And these are the leaders. These are the smart people there. So we work with a lot of uh, campus crew, Campus Crusade for Christ Ministries. We work with Breakaway and Impact at A&M. Just different things to help support these kids through this very vulnerable time in their life. And then internationally, we invest in, in a, lot of, a lot of ministries. Let me just run through a few, see if I can do this. And if you look at the flags around, most of them are represented. We help support ministries and missionaries in Jordan, India, Haiti, South Africa, Mexico, Romania, Australia, North Korea. Don't tell anybody about that one. Morocco, Yemen, Taiwan, Nepal, Hungary, Lebanon, Syria, the Philippines, Cambodia, Honduras, Japan, Kenya, Niger, and Nigeria. This past year, we've been part of some clean water projects. We've been part of some well drilling projects. And, of course, working with the Set Free Alliance, we've helped deliver children out of slavery and begin to get them an education, health care, food, trying to make a difference in the world. And you are part of every one of those ministries. It's really very cool. You guys are doing some neat stuff. Generally, if you hear a mission, and I'm going to take a sip of water. I know nobody else does that here. And I speak to a lot of people sometimes around the world. But when I speak here in front of y'all, it makes me very nervous. And <laughs> so my mouth gets dry. Generally, when people are talking on missions, they go to Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go ye therefore into all the world, or, or they'll go to um, Acts 1, verse 8, when you've received power from the Spirit, then you shall be my witnesses. And these are pretty common um, or very common topics in a mission's talk, but what I wanted to use today was out of Luke 4. And in Luke 4, I call it Jesus' drop-the-mic moment. I mean, this was the first recorded drop-the-mic moment. Mics hadn't even been invented yet. And in Luke 4, starting in verse 16, if you want to get out your device or open your Bible, I'm just going to read through a few of these very quickly before we settle in on a different passage. But it says, He, and they're talking about Jesus. And if you're new to the Scriptures or new to the church, let me just say, Luke was a Greek doctor, a physician, who went 
to find out what all this Jesus stuff was about. Now, a lot of people say he spent a lot of time with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and kind of got her story of how things developed. And he recorded this, and he sent it to his friend. So when the book opens, he's actually telling his friend about what happened with this Jesus guy in Israel. And this is a quote. If you had a red-letter Bible, a lot of what we're reading today would be in red letters. And it says, he, Jesus, and again, this is Luke 4:16, went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. That's a great, great reminder there that we are called to gather weekly. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, and here we get to the red letter part, And Jesus reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then the scripture says, Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone were on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. Drop the mic. I love that part. But what he was quoting, what he read there out of the scroll was Isaiah 61. And let me read that to you because it's different from what it says in Luke 4. Some people would say it's because the Luke was transferred out, translated out of the Greek and the Isaiah was translated out of the Hebrew. And sometimes words don't line up as well as we'd like it. You know, I could tell you that I love my wife and I could tell you that I love pizza and those are both the same word love, but in the Greek and in the Hebrew, those would be completely different words. So it doesn't always line up the way we'd like it to. Let me just read the Isaiah verse. In Isaiah's old time, this is 600 B.C., and Isaiah wrote this prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom to the captives to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and the garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. If you've been around Central for very long at all, you'll probably remember back when we were doing all the revival at Belfast, Robin Mark worship, and the oil of gladness, and the garments of praise, and that was that was a very fulfilling, emotional time, not in just the church, but in our but uh, in our worship. And these are great promises. I love promises in the Scripture. It's my favorite part. I'm an old Blackaby guy. You know, I read Blackaby uh, when I got saved. Um, Susie said she got saved up front in 1996. I got saved up front in 1994. And we used to do studies on Wednesday evening. One of the first I did was called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby and Claude King. 
And I went through that study, and it had a great impact on my life. As a matter of fact, I, I go through it every year again. I, I go back through it and, and just to see if I need to renew or refresh anything. And one of the main principles in Blackaby's writings were to join God in what he's doing. See, when God is doing something that only God can do, that's him revealing himself to you, and that's the invitation for you to join him. Then you have a crisis of belief. Am I going to do this or am I not? Some of the things only God can do is salvation. I can't save you. I couldn't even save myself. Only God can do certain things. And that's where we see him moving. But some of the things God wanted from us was to be obedient. We call ourselves Christians, which means little Christ, or we call ourselves Christ followers, someone who follows after Christ. If we're going to be either either of those, don't we need to be doing what he did? When he opened the scroll in Nazareth and read from Isaiah, he said exactly what he was going to be doing. Proclaiming the good news to the poor, uh, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free. If that's what he was doing and we're going to wear his name, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be following after him. See, we're called the body of Christ. If you're a believer, if you are a Christian, if you've had that great exchange between yourself and God, and you're now a follower, you need to be about your Father's business. You need to be doing what God said we were to do. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, it says we're, or 2.9, it says we're saved by grace, not by works, lest anyone could brag. But in 2.10 it says, for we are God's handiwork. And I know Mark has spoke on this before. He says masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. Some of the translations will say we are God's work of art. You are God's work of art. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When I've spoken of this before, I've had people tell me, well, you know, I'm a human being, not a human doing. And I'm just supposed to be, well, that's a different Bible than I read. Uh, sounds very Buddhist or something to me. And you go ahead and do that. Uh, James addressed that in James 2.18. He said, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You know, James almost <laughs> didn't make it into the Bible over that particular verse. Some people... When they were assembling the Bible, what, 300 A.D., they, they thought that might be a little bit too Jewish to make it in. Uh, but he did make it in, and he says we're to be about our Father's business. We're to be doing, not just being. We don't just wear a title. Christianity is an active sport. It's not passive. You know, there's a, a great quote from Bear Bryant that football is 12 guys or 22 guys on the field desperately in need of rest and 50,000 people in the stands desperately in need of uh, exercise. And church, this Christianity thing isn't about what Mark can do or what I can do or what, what the missionaries like the Hales can do. It's about what we can do. We are all part of the body of Christ. We all are different because we represent different parts.
but we all have something to do. The Bible says to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has something for you specifically to do. He created you uniquely. I know I was created uniquely, but that's not terminal. But we all have something uniquely to do. That's something you need to work out yourself. It may be working in the nursery. You know, I tried that once. I went there one Sunday, probably about 22, 23 years ago. They gave me a little crying baby to hold 40 minutes. It was like an ice pick in the eye, you know what I mean? And I decided that day that nursery was not for Jim. That's not where I belong. That God had some other work prepared for me to do. I don't know what yours is, but it's there. There's something. And maybe you need to try a few things to figure out what that could be. You know, we have a, a spirit of intimidation in the church today. I'm afraid to say anything in public. People are going are to hammer me. I'm afraid to say anything at work. I'm going to wind up in HR. I don't want to say anything to my family. It offends them. And then here in the church, I don't want to try to do something. What if I fail? I'm not very good at that. That's not my thing. We need to have a spirit. I don't want to say a spirit of adventure, but God does want us to try things. God does want us to do things differently than we've been doing it. Again, Christianity is an active, active sport. It's not passive. You are not saved to sit in a bench for an hour every Sunday. If the, if, if the point was to be saved, you could have been beamed up, beam me up, Scotty, the minute you were saved and you'd be with Jesus. But you're not. You're here. For a purpose. Some people say I'm too old. I'm too old to do that. We have 80 plus year old women here every Tuesday making quilts for terminally ill people that they can bless them. We have kids going on mission trips. We have kids going down to serve at the soup kitchen. You know, I look out at this church today. I see people that work at Agape teaching Bible studies. I see uh, people who are working with the Wounded Warrior Project. I see people who volunteer at the children's home. I see people who work at ADRN. I know a lot of your stories. And I see a lot of people who are actively engaged in ministry. I see a lot of people who aren't. What are you doing? What are you doing? I have verses to put up on the screen. And kind of this is my focus for today. It's Isaiah 58. And starting in verse 6, it says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and tie the cords, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, 
and he will say, here am I. Think about that. You will cry for help and God will say, here am I. Your healing will quickly appear. How often do we pray for healing? And we wonder why we're not seeing miracles. Why aren't we seeing things happen in this country, in this church, in this prayer group? Maybe we're not doing our part. Loose the chains of injustice. And your church is involved in that. Set the oppressed free. If you ever want your heart broken, go to India with Set Free Alliance. I'm not considered the most sensitive one on staff here. And uh, believe it or not, uh, it's hard to get your mind around. But when you go to India and down into the slate quarries to see children who are enslaved, to rescue them, to hear the horrors that they've been. I'm talking six, five, eight-year-old kids, the horrors that they've lived through. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. We can set the oppressed free. We can share our food with the hungry. And maybe you have a gift of hospitality. You have people over to the house. And I was told one time that if those people look like you, it doesn't count. If you want to have somebody over and you're being hospitable to share, to be in ministry, to share what God wants us to do, it'll be someone who doesn't look exactly like you, maybe. To clothe the naked. Do not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Our families, our families are our prime ministry. And it can be very difficult, but look at the promises. Your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Does it get any better than that? Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. He will answer your cry for help and say, here am I. God will be with you. What a blessing. You know, in the world today, there are huge humanitarian projects. I have family members that don't want to hear me talk about Jesus anymore. They don't want to hear it. But they have a heart for humanitarian projects. They work through, around the world doing wonderful things. Why would they do that? See, it says, Paul wrote that we have eternity in our hearts. We have a desire, an innate desire to be obedient to God. And what God wants us to do is to change the world. It's no small task. Of course, you can't do it all, but you're supposed to be doing something. God wants to change the world. Don't we pray continually, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a wonderful prayer. What are you doing? Where's your part of that? What are you doing? And I said earlier, it can be very intimidating. Oh my gosh, it can be intimidating. John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill that passion. He wants to destroy your desire to be obedient to God. 
much easier to come sit here for an hour a week and to become actively engaged in ministry. Ministry can be ugly. Ministry can be dirty. And some of that might rub off on you too. You'll have to get clean again. But there's a second part of that verse, John 10.10. 10, it says, I have come, and this is Jesus speaking again. If you have a red letter Bible, this would be in red letters. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Your translation say, may have it to the fullest. The NASB says, in abundance, or you may have abundant life. I don't know how you might have memorized that verse, but that's a verse we all know. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Are you walking in the fullness of your life? Most Christians I speak to say, no, I'm stuck in this capitalistic pursuit. I'm stuck in this rat race or this little hamster wheel or I'm stuck in. That wasn't the promise. The promise is that you would have life to the fullest. So then the question becomes, how do I get that? I want that. Maybe. Maybe the answer is in doing what God has prepared for you to do in advance. He already had it ready. Here's what I want you to do. Are you doing it? You know, we could ask the Hales how life is going. And I'm sure they have good days and I'm sure they have bad days. Some days are better than others. I think we could all agree with that. But they're doing what God has called them to do and there is a fulfillment of that. There's a sense of purpose there. A lot more than going to work every day and, you know, another day, another dollar, here we go. We get into this rut. But God has something for you. And it may not be all-consuming. And maybe there are people here that go work an hour or two a week at a dental clinic or teach a Bible study upstairs or teach a Bible study out at Central Texas Treatment Center. There are people here who go under the bridge and give haircuts or hand out socks. There are things we can do. I don't know what yours is, but God will reveal that to you because he has a purpose. You are his work of art created to do the things that he put there for you to do in advance before you were born. This is part of his master plan. question becomes, are we going to walk in it? Are you satisfied with your walk today? Are you full do you have life abundant? That would be the question. And if not, what are you going to do about it? There's something for you to do. Whether that's the children's ministry here or teaching in ABF or making call I don't know. And maybe it's here. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's over at the children's home. Maybe it's down at ADRN. Maybe it's on a college campus. Maybe it's everywhere around the world. God has a purpose for you in your life. It's very trite, very old. You were saved to serve. Everybody's heard. I mean, that's way old. But it's true. It's true. God wants something from us. Christianity is not a passive, passive sport. We're not supposed to sit here and watch our lives go by. 
That doesn't mean everybody has to go to the other side of the world. In fact, going to the other side of the world is very dangerous now. One of my favorite quotes of David Platt, who is the president of the International Mission Board, Dr. Platt said that all the easy places are gone. You know, I'm willing to go be a missionary to Hawaii, um, but all the easy places are gone. There's only hard places left. So we're not all called to that, but we are all called to participate. We're called to give or go. Maybe you're called to pray. You know, one of the changes we made here at Central a few months ago, started putting prayer without borders on the back of your bulletin. And believe it or not, I get over 100 emails a week from people around the world. And a lot of them need prayer. They ask for prayer. They ask for you to pray. You're handed a bulletin every week when you come in here. Can you commit one minute, two minutes just to read through that and pray? That's something you can do. There's so much. The need is great. The need is great. We need people willing to actively participate in this thing we call Christianity. To follow Christ if you're going to be a Christ follower. Every week we come to this part of the service and we ask people to make a commitment. You know, Mark always says these steps are an altar that the Lord's Supper is over here on my left, on your right. If anyone, if anyone feels the need to partake in that, we will invite our prayer partners, our pastors, and our elders to, to come forward if you need someone to pray with you. And that's, they'll be here in a minute. But today is really about you and God. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? There's something there for you. God crafted specifically for you to do. And if you don't do it, guess what? It's not going to get done. Because everyone else he crafted to do something else. And if they're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then what they're supposed to be doing isn't getting done. I know that's confusing. But it's true. There's something specifically for you. And you're not too old and you're not too young. There is a spirit of intimidation that will keep you. But that spirit of intimidation is not from God. That is from the one who comes to kill and steal and destroy. Jesus said, He came that you may have life and have it abundant, have it to the fullest. That's a promise. If you're not walking in that promise, you need to make an adjustment and make sure that you get there. Because that's what He wants for you. And I believe that's what you want for you. So now I am going to ask the band to come forward if they would. Prayer partners, pastors, elders, if you'd come up. But take a minute. If you need to draw a circle around yourself, do business, you and God. Think about it. Even if you don't know what it is, are you willing to commit to it? Are you willing to pray for those missionaries? By golly, if they were your kids, you'd be praying for them. You'd be hoping other people were praying for them. What are you going to do?